H-Town, I'm back. It's great to be home. And welcome back to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. It's probably the longest, in fact it is the longest time we've ever had between an episode since we kicked this off. Um, but life starts to get in the way a little bit, but here, here we are, We're probably the most we've ever had to talk about, so we'll try and squeeze it in as best we can, and to do that, joins me, Mr. Brandon K. Scott. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Glad to be back. Glad to be able to talk some free agency and... Texans offseason has been a whirlwind for us. It's, it's interesting that it'd be, it'd be this long for you to have to go between episodes where for us, it's like it's been like nonstop, even though even though not a lot has happened, it still feels like a lot has happened just because like I obviously know football, but yeah. the the signings and the and the moves have just been have just been interesting to observe. Yeah, I think so. So we'll, we'll try and work through it in a semi chronological order. Um and and we'll see where we get to. But it's been a lot, and I think we've feels like we've come out of the darkness here a bit, like Aaron Rodgers, and we'll uh, we'll awaken uh, to see. And I'm probably like Rodgers; I've probably not made a decision yet, um, or finalised the decision on whether this team's definitely helped. But there is no doubt, Brandon. I think just anecdotally, before we kind of go into each guy in detail, I don't. And I'm a big critic of Nick Casario, probably bigger than most. Um, but I, I, I admire the job that he's done this. You know, we've got to see where, where these guys play and, and what their output is on a Sunday. But I think for the first time in probably four, if not maybe five off-seasons through the free agency period, this team has undoubtedly got better. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that it's undoubtedly gotten better. And it's it's like position by position. I think if, if we were to break it down and, and to look at everything, you would say, Hey, with with almost every move, it's a value pick and it's an upgrade at the position that you're addressing. So I felt like, you know, immediately, well, I guess the first one was Robert Woods. Okay. So, and, and I thought about that like it's just a good scheme fit, a good veteran to have in the locker room. We all probably knew at the time that Brandon Cooks was going to get traded as well. So he kind of replaces that role, but you figure you're going to do something else at wide receiver anyway. But then when they started getting those those defensive tackles, right, when they get Hassan and Ridgeway and Sheldon Rankins, neither of which is going to be like a set the world on fire, you know, super buzzworthy free agent signing. But when you talk about what the needs are and what the major holes, this team has got needs and major holes to fill all across the board or for the most part. But when we talk about the major ones, the biggest ones, you're talking about that defensive line, and having Sheldon, having Sheldon Rankins and Hassan Ridgeway should make Texans fans feel a lot better than a rotation that includes something like Roy Lopez and Kurt Heinish and whatever they do when those guys aren't getting it done. Jaleel Johnson and the Vincent Taylor. Vincent Taylor was, you know, it's like, okay, now you're talking about players that actually fit, you know, fit the scheme. And fit the level of play that you're trying to that you're trying to accomplish. You know, not not guys that are somewhat out kicking their coverage like a Roy Lopez and a you know a late round draft pick and a Lopez and a undrafted free agent and, and Kurt Heinrich in his rookie year playing as much as he did for you. So I think they immediately got better there, and I thought that was important. I thought the Jimmy Ward signing was was pretty big, and I'm sure pretty sure we'll get into these, but like just for the most part, it felt like everything that they did felt bigger than what they were. 
didn't seem like they were just replacing guys, plug and play, repl- you know, losing a guy here, we're going to replace him. It felt like they made Nick Asario specifically made conscious efforts to upgrade positions of weakness. And that's the part of it that that's the way. And, and, and that's not to say that they don't still have weaknesses because they still do. And obviously there's a draft for that and, and there's still an off season to address for that. But I thought out of the gate, maybe I would have liked to have seen something bigger like you 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 want to see something bigger but Nick Asario's talked before about hitting singles and doubles you know just trying to get a couple of you know quality signings and I thought he did that you know you, you can you can gripe a little bit about hey where's the where's the big major guy that they that they didn't get you know and they didn't get like a big major signing but that's that's not always what you're gunning for in free agency and and truth be told the best players the very best players that you're probably talking about usually don't make free agency you know they get they get extended they get franchise tag they get traded you know and then they get extended or whatever the case may be so for the quality of player that you're talking about in the free agency pool i thought they've done a decent job yeah and I think, yeah, that's always the important facet to remember, or the, the consideration to remember that all these guys, some of them, um, you know, Sheldon Rank is maybe the most impactful potential player of this bunch. He's on his third team. So, you know, there's reasons why he's not hung around and he's, and, uh, and there's reasons why the Saints didn't sign him part of their salary cap. Then he went to New York and now he's here on a one year deal. Um, and the, I suppose on the one year deal or the, or the short term deals, I don't necessarily have, uh, that much consideration or, or concern about the the length of the deals which has kind of drawn a bit of kind of ire or criticism from people. I don't necessarily have that much concern about the money because it's not mine. Um, it's a franchise that makes plenty, you know, like I don't really care what we pay them if, if they work. Um, but I think it's maybe the type of player um, that was signed. I don't think, you know, I don't think we've necessarily signed a guy who's, you know, for whatever reason, left his original team, maybe salary cap issues. Um, and you're going to get the best of them. I don't think any of these guys fall in that category. So let's make that clear. I don't think they're going to, you know, step into the top two. They might, and I hope they do, but they don't. I think these are all kind of like, if there's, you know, the elite level, uh, there's the quality, quality starters. These guys are maybe sort of the third tier guys. But look, we didn't have any of those at all last year, apart from, you know, one or two, um, and a tackle maybe extended. So all these guys are improvements of what they had, um, but certainly they're not enough to to bridge the gap. But that being said, Brandon, I think there's there's definitely a, a real consideration that things have got a lot better um, in terms of that. And, but what do you put that down to? What why are guys come want to come here that are respectable now? What, what do you think the change is? What do you put that down to? Well, I, I think there's a number of things that happen kind of all at once here. I mean, even before they hired D'Amico Ryan's, and I think that's what we're getting at here. But even before they hired D'Amico Ryan's as their head coach it was always going to be the case that they'd have money to spend. They, they, that they would either have a bunch of money to throw at just a couple of guys or like a little money to throw at a lot of guys. And it seems like that's what they've done, you know, and Casario's also talked about just being sure to have a good sense. Like it's their job to have a good sense for what the market is and what players cost and that sort of thing. And, you know, it, for the most part, it seems like they've done that, you know? And so I, I think that it's, the fact that they have the money to spend and that helps. And, and also the D'Amico Ryan's factor of, Hey, like he, he commands a certain level of respect. And I think people want to play for D'Amico Ryan's, but more so than just like the personal part about it, like just the production, 
Like <laughs> they were good in San Francisco. He's he's proven to be a good coach early on. And from a uh, from a system and like from a schematic standpoint, I should say, I think this is a, a scheme that players believe in and that has become a lot more popular over the last, you know, decade plus, however you want to look at it. Uh, the, the the system, both offensively and defensively, I think players want to play here or specifically here in this system. So the fact that they hired D'Amico Ryans, who commands a level of respect in and of himself, along with the system that he runs on offense, the system that he's tied to, I'm sorry, the system that he runs on defense and the system that he's tied to on offense um, and that he's brought here. Um, and then on top of that, the fact that they had money to spend, it's just a kind of a perfect storm for them to be able to uh to to be able to acquire a higher level of free agent and, and like you said these aren't guys that are gonna like set the world on fire but they're quality nfl players and, and you could argue that in a lot of spots they did not have quality nfl players playing last year so that's what i would attribute it to the timing of it uh the 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 money and the coaching yeah I just going back on that point you said about Casario, you know, not necessarily spending on a big free. I don't know if he ever will, you know, splash out free agency. Because if you look at the history of New England in free agency, um, you know, obviously they had uh, Randy Moss for a while, but he wasn't, he didn't break the market necessarily on the on the cost they got him for the only really one of recent memory was probably Stephen Gilmore when they went out and splashed out from a division rival um, to, to to fill a position they really needed to on a championship roster. So if I was to guess, just, you know, everything you observe and the way he talks about fiscal responsibility and all that kind of stuff, the only time I could ever see Casario doing that is if you've got a blatant hole that you can't fill, you've missed in the draft, you've missed in free agency, and there's one guy on the market and they go and make it happen. But beyond that, I, I always think this kind of approach this year, sort of second, third-rate players, hoping you can get more out of them, um, will always be kind of his, his general philosophy, not to overspend because we know free agency historically under-delivers versus the money you pay because these guys are flawed. That's why somebody else hasn't paid them. Yeah, right. Going back to the point I was making earlier about them being free agents for a reason. And, and <laughs> I mean no disrespect. And they're quality players if they can catch on and get contracts, but they're free agents for a reason. And I, I think it's, for me, the biggest, the, so the biggest offseason move, and this is not even a take, like this is a fact, the biggest offseason move so far has been not, you know, a non-free agent move. It's the it's the Laramie Tunsil extension. And I, w- I would say that there is not, I wonder if you agree with this, I, I don't think there's a free agent move that they could have made that would have been bigger than extending Laramie Tunsil. I don't think so. Uh, it, it, it's, and that's not to say there's just not a player out there, but like scheme fit, like who's the player that they could have possibly signed that would have been as important as ensuring that you had Laramie Tunsil over the next four years. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and again, he, he's going to be on a contract for the next year, but I feel like that's the big move, even though it's not a free agent move. And, and going back to the point I was making, like the guy, the, the guys that are great, the guys that you really want to sign are the ones that you extend, you know, the ones that you franchise tag and, and haggle with and try to extend, you know, those are the guys, yeah. not the ones that you let go in free agency or that are available in free agency for you to go get. So again, for the quality of guy that's available in free agency, they've, they've done a decent job. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, let's take the, the tonsil thing. That's where it came down last Sunday. Um, and it was, it was, I suppose it was something that you knew they wanted to do. 
Yeah. Um, well, I think there was the rumours of of the the they certainly were open to trading them. I think that's why the the, the swirl of the potential uh, link with KC before they signed Joanne Taylor, which I don't see that one working out based on all the games I've seen that Joanne Taylor play. So, but we'll see how they go. Um, if any team can cope with it, it's them. Um, but that was certainly something I think you came to a crossroads. It was either you extended him now or you had to trade him. I don't think the value would necessarily have been there. The requisite value perhaps would have got back. Um, if it had been an Orlando Brown trade or sort of that kind of value, you, you probably would have struggled to replace him. And I think based on all the moves you think they might make um, in the most important position in the game, then I think, you know, given Tunso, albeit it's a big jump again, it wasn't, you know, because I think when you look at the, the, the market, in terms of money, and look, as I said, I don't care about my money, but when you just look at it from a pure uh, maths point of view, the Trent Williams only exceeded the total APY by a small amount, and they've gone from 22, 23 million to 25. So it's a clear reset. It's a clear show of faith. Um, for a guy who, bear in mind, played well last year, but the year prior, there was big, big questions of him dogging it, and you and I talked about that. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's funny how, you know, two years in football is a long, long time, but I think if he maintains the level of form, Laramie, that he did last year, and I think what was the big sort of step forward, if you like, and the, and the thing that I remember from watching all the games back, well, I say watching all the games back, I think I gave up at halfway through the season watching the, 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 <laughs> a lot of the film back, but... You know, I think it was a much better move than giving, say, Mike McGlinchey $87.5 million a year, um, you know, is, uh, is is was a big jump, probably the biggest overpay of free agency. Um, yeah. So, you know, when you look at it in that realms, if you had to <coughs> fish in the market, this is a far better deal than what you would have done outside. So, can, you know, it's not my money, so it's hard to get burned. But if he maintains the level that he has done, I don't think anybody will have any complaints at 25 a year. Yeah, and I don't know, like, the only knock on him would be that 2021 year, and I think it's pretty clear that he made a business decision. And what yeah. what's pretty transparent about him so far, and I was there for the extension press conference on, well, whenever it was, Wednesday, earlier this week, I was there for that and, and got to talk to him and, and, and all of that. What's pretty clear about Laramie Tunsil is that he, he is a motivated businessman. And, and and I don't so much care what a what a guy is motivated by, uh, just so long as they are motivated, and he's motivated. He, he the the same thing that makes him tick may not make it is not may not be the same thing that makes everyone else tick. Like he may not sound like the same type of competitor. Talks about money a lot and setting them resetting the market and building business teams and being a business leader and all this kind of stuff, but. Being a an elite left tackle is his avenue and his way to 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 doing that, to accomplishing that and achieving that. And he takes that very seriously and he's very good at what he does. And again, that 2021 year gets hurt, is able to come back, but in his mind, come back for what? To do, you know, to do what? You know, we're you know, we're not a competitive team and I am a business entity in, in his mind. Like that's what it that's that's his prerogative. And I, I, I can't like, you don't love that from a, Hey, I'm rooting for this team and you know, all of that, but you gotta get, you gotta kind of understand it. If he feels like, Hey, it's not worth it to go out there and play fresh off of this injury or whatever it is. Um, and maybe wait until I'm fully healthy and have a chance to perform at a certain level and make myself some more money. 
You know, you got to understand that uh, even if you don't like it. And so, and so I do. And I think that when he's out there, if he's, if he's healthy, he's going to play very well. And the concern I think for fans is that if he's not healthy, that he's going to make business decisions. I, I think that's a thing. That is something that perhaps Texans fans are going to have to reconcile with that. You know, he may play through some injuries. He may not play through others. You know, that that might be the reality. And I'm not speaking for him. I'm just saying that seems to be what we're looking at here. Okay. And and so you just hope that he stays healthy. And because when he is healthy, he's really good. And you kind of go from there. He's worth the money. You know, uh, if you're going to pay, like if you're going to pay a left tackle, there, that kind of money, there's about a handful of them that are worth it. Maybe three to three or three to five of them that are worth it. He's one of them. And so there you go. You know, he's worth the money. So you pay it. And again, like you said, there is not a I've always said I I didn't feel like you need necessarily a tackle, a left tackle. That's as good as Laramie Tunsil. But if you got one, you might as well pay what it costs. You know, Um, like if I were to go back three years, four years now and redo it, I would have been just fine with letting Titus Howard figure it out at left tackle and, and maybe he'd not be very good as a rookie, but you know, see it through and not trading for Laramie Tunsil, but you did it. And he's been, and he's fulfilled, you know, he's lived up to the, to the expectations. Yeah. So go ahead and yeah. go with it, go ahead and go with it now. You know, it just, it, it makes all the sense in the world. And so I, I think it's going to be a good thing. And no matter which quarterback they draft, that quarterback's going to benefit from having Laramie Tunsil there for the duration of their rookie contract. Yeah, and I think what you've seen there is he's kind of almost, I think, in some ways that kind of set a trend to first and second because you saw a number of guys, uh, Jamal Adams, uh, you got the, the cornerback from Jacksonville, Ramsey go across to to, um, to LA and then, you know, there's been a number of kind of big, you know, obviously then the, the uh, Matthew Stafford trade as well. So like they kind of set a trend in that sense. And I think he's also kind of set a trend in his own way. Um by you know doing short deals because I think the four-year deal has now become the three-year deal in the league, and I think there is a genuine trend to you know less committed deals. And I think part of that agents and players aren't willing to sign up for the back end of the contract, which is paper dollars. Because if you think it like that, if you look at the John Taylor deal, that's only a three-year sixty rather than the eighty that's kind of pointed out. The Orlando Brown deal is only like a two-year forty-two. So like, it's you know great money if you can earn it, but I think it's it's um. You know, I think the the way in which deals are structured, there's less years, more guarantees over a short period of time, and I think you know the the length on the cycle of players and the players' deals and the what agents are willing to commit to is short. And so I think he, he set the he set the kind of he's almost kind of set been a bit of a trailblazer in some sense, and I think it was quite good and refreshing. I think we're all needing him, you know, kind of me more than most. I think probably needs a refresher of you know some kind of positive outlook and you know he said look I want to be here I've treated this as a business I've, I've exceeded expectations the first tackle I believe I don't know if this is actually true but based on his comments to reset the market twice um, so look I think it's it's uh, it's it's a good position to be in to have a player at a premium position that wants to be here that's committed that's signed um, and could potentially help you win games now yeah, I would yeah. rather spend that money on an edge rusher but to be, but to be clear like though he's the first one to do it because he signed such a short deal going back to your earlier point like yeah. The, the, yeah he's the first to do it because of the new trend I just wanted to yeah. point that out so that, that, that oh yeah why so yeah I mean I suppose this was probably a better nego- or easier negotiation for him 
uh, or or this or the, or the last negotiation was easy, and now he's kind of set that. And once you do it once, once you give away that value, once you set a president, then it's very very hard to buck that trend. So uh, here it is, and I think yeah, and I think he did that with the full knowledge that you know before he's you know I think he'll be what thirty one or something by the time this next one ends up expiring. Yeah, so 30, you know thirty or thirty one, one of those, yeah. Yeah, so he's gonna get paid again. Yeah. So, so whether it's here or not, I don't know. You'll, the, he, Texans will have to be willing to do the same again in theory, if, unless you know, unless the play kind of and, and the quality on the field kind of drops off. But yeah, hats off to him. He seems motivated. He seems welcome. He welcome it. Um, the the mysterious figure of Saint Omni is probably uh, is is something that's drawn a lot of attention. Not an not an official NFL. Uh, or NFLPA registered agent by the looks of it. So people are a little bit uneasy because, again, this is more against the grain and against the system sort of stuff. But that just sums up Laramie. And I think as long, long, long as he continues the level of play they did last year, then I'll not have any complaints, Brandon. Yeah, same here. I, I think most people feel the same way. Um, it, it is interesting that the feeling and idea on him would change so quickly or, you know, I guess how much time actually passes over a year. Because, you know, the the whole reason why I advocated for trading him is because I just assumed that, you know, he didn't want to play here, you know, and I kind of understood it. would have understood it if that was the case. So I thought, well, what, I mean, what are you doing with Laramie Tunsil? I mean, he's he doesn't want to play here anymore. Why would he want to play here anymore? When they traded for him, they were good. And then, you know, suddenly they became bad. And, you know, but he's motivated by other things, you know, money, lifestyle and would like to compete within that framework, the, the the money and lifestyle that he likes, you know, and the Texans were in a position to pay him. Uh, Houston is a place that he likes to be. And so hopefully somewhere within that, they can find um, some type of, you know, competitive prowess, you know, like he's been, they've been bad for three of the four seasons he's been here. Right. So, um, Hopefully that that's something that's going to change soon. But um, but yeah, no, the the thing with him and the market, though, is is really interesting because like it, it, like you said before, he's going to be able to get to do this maybe again at 30. You know, so he's talking about bragging about doing it for a second time. You know, I, I wonder what it's going to look like that, you know, that third time. And especially if they're good by then, you know, I mentioned that point about. It it lining up. I mean, think about it. It lines up perfectly with the with the rookie contract. So you're you're setting up the rookie quarterback to have a Pro Bowl, probably all all Pro level left tackle. I know he hasn't made an All Pro yet, but he's that level left tackle with him for the duration of his rookie contract, and then by the end of it, see where you're at. You know what it also does. I was going to mention is is make the domino effect of the Texans business decisions on the offensive line, really interesting, you know, just what they've done, you know, cause they're going to have the next decision is going to be on Titus Howard. Okay. So like, you're going to fully invest, you know, it's a domino effect on, on the full investment on the offensive line, starting with last year with the draft and the King and green, you know, and then now the extension of Laramie Tunsil, of course they, you know, exercise the fifth year option on, on Titus Howard. What are they going to do after that? You know, um, cl- clearly saw a, a need and a reason to address right guard by letting go of AJ Can and trading for Shaq Mason, right? Um, and so, and, and obviously, we feel like center is something that is an open question still. Um, I know they signed a backup from Miami who's probably 
I guess a scheme fit, but more of a depth piece. I'd imagine somebody that could probably play for them if they need them to. Um, but, but I, I'd like to see how they're going to form the entire thing now. Now that they've locked up Laramie Tunsil and they've got a clear decision to make on Titus Howard. Yeah, I don't know if they can pay Titus or or they will do. Or, well, they can. There's always a way you can just convert stuff to signing bonus yeah. if you want to spend the cash and you keep making work. The end of the road. Um, but then if you look at somebody like Andre Dillard, who ironically Titus was came out of the draft with, not really played, been at all accounts for where he was picked to bust, um, and he signed a three year well it's three twenty nine, but I think in essence it's a two year seventeen million dollar deal. So, so you know. On that basis, you know, Titus is going to want above that. So if, I, if I'm Titus, yeah. if I'm Titus, I'm looking at what Jawan Taylor just did, and I'm like, hey, somebody, yeah. somebody, make me there, uh, convert me from right tackle to left tackle as a free agent, and pay me a <laughs> load of money. Yeah, yeah, no, well, that's I, it. I, that's what that's yeah. what I'd be trying to do if I were him. You know, I was just speaking yeah. from a Texan standpoint of probably mm. wanting him, but yeah, you're, you're probably right. He's probably gonna. Outprice himself with the Texans market more than likely, unless unless they well, I think so. Up. Yeah, yeah. If I, I mean, if you're his, if you're his agent, you're watching those numbers come in. You think, well, you know, okay, could he maybe get 15, 16, 17? Could you commit that amount of money on a rookie deal? You probably can, uh, but I suppose he's not really proven it. And I think people, oh, it's a supply and demand thing. That's why John Taylor gets, you know, that was the next best available option, which isn't all that great, but that's where they got. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out, Brandon, in terms of that. Um, and I, th- I think that kind of rounds us off really on, on Tunsil um, but that Sunday at the same time the news came which is not so good and I think there's probably not too much point coming on, comment on it in too much in depth but the Brandon Cooks trade everybody's expecting it it's a bit of a fuck up um, you could have got more to the deadline we don't know exactly how much Kasseri was very kind of clear with uh, Seth and Sean on the morning show when he did that interview that you know it was misreported and, and and look a second seemed high like you get don't get me wrong I don't think Hopkins will get a second when he gets traded from Arizona this year whatever that ends up being that's right. what we got for him at the time right enough so it's below that so it was maybe going to be like what they gave up for Demarius Thomas that year um, under Brian Gain it was a third you know the run maybe so, but that was a guy that was at that time that was a third on a guy's contract expired at the end of the season and then you've got to give up some uh, for for Hopkins, you've got years left, but he's going to want a new deal and probably get close, to, if not reset the market at, at that position. So I don't see how you can give it more than a fourth or a third for him. So to think that was going to be a second was perhaps extreme, but this isn't great value. And considering the dead cap hit you take, that's a big chunk of change you're taking there um, of 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 his salary that he just fucking signed. Stuart, which is the worst part about it, but. We've been probably over this already, but I think however you look back on it, from signing him to Easterby leaving, to then turning his back on the club, to kind of playing, to then knocking you off the top draft spot with his performance in week 18, to then getting traded for a paltry return. Um, The Brandon Cooks trade, I think, for a second shelled out, and a contract that he didn't ever really play on, in fact, didn't play on. Um... Not the finest uh, move or, or history for a player that'll ever be recorded. I don't think, Brandon. Man, I don't think I could say it any better than you did. Uh, you said it like to a T, to a T. Basically, my you know my view on it is there's no angle that you could take on the Brandon Cooks signing slash you know trade. So just just call it a, the a year, the last year of Brandon Cooks. There's no angle that you can take from it and say that it was positive. That it was a good thing. Except for, I mean, except for Brandon Cooks, obviously, because he got paid and, you know, he 
ultimately is going to end up on a team that's more than likely going to be better than the one that he was on the year before and the years before, you know, with the Cowboys. So, so he, he ultimately benefits from it, but from a Texan standpoint, uh, and, and and best wishes to him, man, honestly, because we didn't like, we honestly didn't have a lot of issue with Brandon cooks. And I, and I still don't, I think the Brandon cooks issue is really a Nick Casario issue. You know, like he didn't have to pay him all that money. You should have traded him at the trade deadline. And obviously, you know, it's like an extra kick to the junk that you're going to have to pay a portion of the salary on the back end of it when you could have gotten rid of him. And do you feel like they would have had to pay a salary if they had traded him at the deadline? I don't. I, and maybe they would have. But 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 what you, but what you can't convince me of, which you absolutely can. And I know the salary, the salary was a big part of the issue of trading him. I understand that. But what you can't convince me of is that a team, and we know that the team that we're talking about here is the Cowboys, but whichever team, any team that, that is interested in Brandon Cooks would not be more desperate to get him at the trade deadline when they're trying to make a push than they would in the offseason when there's a lot more clarity and planning that goes on into your team building process. Like, you're trying to make quick moves there at the deadline to make your team better, and I feel like you'll do a little bit more to get this. And so I, I, I'll always have a tough time without knowing for sure. I'll always have a tough time believing that they could not have gotten something better than what they ended up getting. Uh, and, and I'm pretty sure we've, we've heard information out there that, you know, it could be a third or a fourth. I know Nick Casario says a lot of these people don't know what they're talking about, but a fifth and a sixth after he played for you post trade deadline for, for nothing, you know, like the, the idea that he would be out there, helping you win games, helping you win a game that you were, that was in your better interest to lose. The fact that you had him out there risking injury, knowing that you were probably going to trade him anyway. Like there's just no logical reason for Brandon cooks to have been on the team after the trade deadline, whether that meant trading them, not trading them and sitting them like any, like they did with Deshaun Watson the year before. Like there was just no reason for him to be out there for that latter part of the season. With respect to him as a player, I get it, but like that's it's counterintuitive at this point. He doesn't want to be here, and his his existence on the team might put you in a position to be somewhere that you don't want to be, which is a little bit better than you're supposed to be, you know, um, at, at that point in the season. So I I just think from any point of logic, it did not make sense. Um, and if you want to just keep it straight down to the trade, like bare bones, what you get back in the trade, you cannot convince me that you could not got, have gotten more for Brandon Cooks at the trade deadline than you did get at the end. And then, and then that's before you get to the time wasted with him on the uh, with him on the field. So, so, so from any yeah. angle, it's a. I mean, you called it a fuck up. From from any angle, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, well, you just don't have that dynamic of like, yeah. Well, you either pay this now, or you don't get this player for your championship run or your perceived championship run. You know, it, yeah. it, it's it's wide open. Everybody's spending money in free agency. People are looking towards the draft. It isn't a great yeah. Yeah. Uh, draft for wide receivers, but but if you again, if you pay a guy thirty six million dollars guaranteed and yeah. in less than a year. He's asking to be traded. That's a failure. You know, yeah. like, in, just like the Sean Watson thing. They paid that guy all that money. It's that yeah. contract. And he didn't even wait till that bad boy kicked in. And he, so that that's a failure. Sorry. Hmm. 
Oh, oh no, and I think with the, with the token of, and this is where it becomes, and this is where my criticism comes in a Casario at times, and I said we would dive into this, but here we go, I can't help myself. Uh, the, the When you don't want to spend money in free agency, when you look guys like, um, I'm not going to pronounce his name, but the Ed Rusher that, that went across, the, the linebacker oh. that went to Tennessee. Oh. What was his name? I thought, I thought you were talking about Obo Alcaranquo. Oh, we'll come back to him because there's a couple of guys that have all been paid and, and they didn't play very well here, so I'm interested in that too. But I think when you're not willing to spend money in free agency, um, and I wouldn't have given Obo money, by the way. I can't believe he got that deal because he couldn't even play the fucking run last year. Week yeah, one. Yeah. He, was a, he was a liability. So to go from liability to $33 million within a year with only playing well in a small stretch of games on a team who were out of the game at that point. And <laughs> anyway, I think that's fool's goal, but good on him. Go, yeah. right, fill your boots, son. Well done to you. Coming back hometown and getting paid. So, um, But when you're not willing to pay money in free agency, but then you're willing to fucking put money and you may as well put it in a bag and burn it, Nick, that the money that you, that, you gave, that you gave Brandon Cooks, you now can't spend on actual good players that are going to be here. You've 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 created additional dead cap that you never had to. If you ever thought that there was a, that you know, and look, maybe Cooks has, dece has deceived him because let's be honest, he's learned from the best and under old Pastor Jack, right? So he's, you know, a guy who was never qualified managed to get to the, the top of a tree of a billion dollar organisation. Never forget that. That happened to us and it still, and it still has because we've lost a fifth round pick because of the guy. But I think in, the, in a sense, if you ever thought, if you think players aren't happy, you don't pay them. And, uh, and, but the problem is, I think one day Cooks is coming out to me and going, I've said I'll never be traded ever again. I'm not willing to do that. To, I don't want to be here to you're messing with my career. I'm going to let all the lies come out, all this sort of stuff. So I'm kind of glad to see the back of all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was misguided to give him the extension when you did. Um, for whatever reason, if you didn't think Jack was going to be around here, if you thought Lovey Smith was going to tolerate Jack Easterby and that dynamic might then... You know that was never going to happen either. So, well, how about the go. fact that how about the fact that they needed to upgrade the position anyway? You know, well that's it. You've you've now made a weakness. Yeah, probably the worst spot on your whole roster. Yeah, I mean, why why pay <coughs> that amount of money when part of your issue with your weapons is the fact that he's your best receiver to begin with? You know, like mm. you should be looking to like if you're going to keep him around, you need to keep him around at a more much more reasonable number. Or be looking to move on. You know, if he feels like he needs to be paid what he was paid, like if you're going to be paying that kind of money to a wide receiver, it needs to be somebody who's who's honestly younger and better than Brandon Cooks. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. So, and and that's the fact of the matter. Um, and if it's a two year yeah. deal, like you know, when you're when you're not going to win games and you don't want to win games, why are you paying money for people like? And we've seen this a lot, like at the end of their career, patchwork jobs, like that are second rate player or third rate players. You know, he's a he's a a 2B at best, you know. He's yeah. a great complement to other skill sets, absolutely. Um, and well, he might Rizzotto do quite was, well in Dallas. Soda was on leadership, though, which is the ironic yeah. part. Like, you want, yeah. this yeah. is the culture guy, and so yeah. even though we're not going to be competitive, like you're saying, we're not going to be competitive in, competitive in these years, but what we are going to do is pay our leader, establish a culture, and by the time we are competitive, there'll be some value in that. But that guy shot the hell, too. You know, because mm. just a few weeks into it, oh, surprise, we aren't very good. I want to go. <laughs> okay. Mm. Well, that's that's that was the that was what they paid the money for. Everybody knew it, Brandon. Everybody yeah. knew it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's gone. So be it. Um and I think look, I think free agency was kind of ticking along really kind of slowly. I think I suppose one thing I would have said that um 
that perhaps, you know, I don't know, I think it was it looked very similar to last year after the first week, I think. But the Shaq-Mason trade aside, I think that's probably, it could be, and I hope it is, Casario's best trade. I don't think he's very good at negotiating. I don't think he's very good at trades. But I think what he got for Shaq Mason, hopefully, I think's got the be- the potential to be better than Marcus Cannon, better than uh, Shaq Lawson, all this kind of stuff. So I think he's a, a guy who's proven it out with can. New England. Yeah. And I think that's the key for me. Sorry, what was that, Brian? I was saying better than AJ Can. Better than AJ Can. Yeah, and I think, yeah, AJ Can was, yeah, he, thought, uh, he wasn't the worst last year um, yeah. by any stretch. And you're only as good as the man next to you, so I don't blame all his performances on it. But I think when you think of material upgrades, Shaq Mason is a material upgrade on AJ Can. Yeah, and no, whoever the hell we've trotted out the last couple of years at that spot, too. Yeah, AJ Can was fine. He just didn't move very well. No, that was kind of the issue. Like, I just didn't think he moved as, as well as he needed to. And, they, um, and, and and every now and then, you know, he was, you know, he was a, he was a highlight for, he was a highlight film like the, uh, you know, like, like Kenyon Green was every now and then. Um, but he, he was fine. But to me, it was clear that they needed to do something different. Um, you know, if King, yeah. if King and Green wasn't a rookie and wasn't so young, they obviously, I think would, would have done something different. They're just going to see that through. And hope that he develops over the course of the offseason um, and over the course of his you know career and everything. Give him a chance. He's a real young player. Um, but no, I I thought the I thought the Shaq this this the so this Shaq Mason trade is probably gonna be a little bit underrated because you know you don't think about you don't think much about right guard, but you know it, if we're talking about, you know, running a difference, like they, they had to come in and say, okay, AJ Cam was fine last year in Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton system. Yeah. Can, can AJ can come in here and, and zone block for us? Yeah. Well, no, because you couldn't move. So right, right. <laughs> like you said, there's yeah. no way he's going to, he's no way he's going to be a linebacker or the corner to stretch, you know, to stretch his own play right. or something like that. So yeah. 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 So what I was saying earlier about the scheme fits, it's, it's what I like most about the offseason. Yeah. What yeah, they've yeah. so far with the free agency. And so, you know, you think back to the combine, right? When, and I know there's a lot of conversation now about, you know, at least over here, I don't know how much you, of it you've heard, but a lot of like discussion about how many representatives the Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw a bit of that. Like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, do we have to do that? Well, do you know, I, if Cal turned up at somebody's pro day, I'd be fucking petrified. <laughs> You know, I really would. I really would. So, like, I, I think I actually hadn't thought about that even. But yeah, yeah. imagine him and Hannah. Him, yeah, staring Hannah, down Hannah, would be, <laughs> Hannah, would be, Hannah would be great. Cal would be that would be interesting. Uh, I mean, they they would be fun. They're at practice a lot. But uh, no, I know, I know. I just think it's it's like that movie Drafty, isn't it? When the yeah. owner goes and tells him to go and select the guy, he doesn't, and then he yeah he mysteriously flies back and what have you. But yeah, no, I think yeah, I'd be worried about that. But yeah, no, I have seen that, and it's it's, uh, it's remember, ludicrous. Do you remember what what Casario said that the coaches were doing though at the combine when he said, "Hey, the putting the scheme in, putting the scheme in," and that's the most important and, thing. And, and looking, and they were looking at free agent trying to help them match free agents with scheme. You know, like yep. they were obviously weren't going to be signing free agents, but they were they were scheming and they were looking at players that they yeah, liked that could help. They thought would, yeah. would fit what they were scheming. And this is what this is the fruit of that, I feel like. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So I think, you know, you had MJ Stewart extension, which, you know, he's a solid tackler. I thought it was a little bit of an overpay. Tavir Thomas coming back, um, I think, yeah, it was a reasonable deal, I suppose, for a guy who's complaining nickel. Um, and then, but when you had day one of fucking Mike Boone, Noah Brown, Andrew Beck, and Case Keenum, I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> but it has turned. But, like, I do I do appreciate Case Keenum, and I suppose the most notable one, well, maybe Andrew Beck is a fullback, sort of, uh, what was his name under Coobs? Uh, um, and he was great. Um, there was Joel Dreesen and there was the guy who oh, uh, Casey. Oh, oh no, Casey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Point, uh, yeah. The one that was uh, from I think he went to Rice. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did he? I, oh no, you need James, to Google it. James Casey, maybe. J- James Casey, yeah, and do you remember in the New England game he dropped yeah. uh, after Manning returned the the kickoff or the punt return, and then I'm sure I'm sure it was him at, and he and he was wide open, and he dropped it in the end zone. We would have gone seven zero up straight away in that game in that in that playoff game against uh, against New England. But anyway, he was a great player. He was a he was a utility weapon that they used. So Troy Harrison might be out a gig if this guy's any good or what they want him to be. Yeah. But, yeah, probably. He probably yeah. is. It, it looks like he yeah. probably is. Yeah. yeah. And so this guy might be quite good and he might give you a function at offense. So, and it was the offense where we all, you know, reminisced to. So he might be interested. Uh, Noah Brown, yeah, okay, we'll see. You know, I think, but again, is he better than Chris Moore? Probably. So, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see small improvements. I would I would lean closer to maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, I, d- I do like Chris Moore. He's, he's like the kind of guy that always exceeds expectations. Yeah, in, like in he, 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 you know what? I'll say this. Hopefully, and, and he's going to feel that Chris Moore role. Like they're the same style. I feel like they're the same style player and receiver. Yeah. Who can yeah, do, yeah, like, yeah. Who can do multiple things, but not I great. I think he can probably block a bit better as well. So he gives you that more running because they're going to ha- really rely on the run. So yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a bigger frame guy. So Mike Boone, yeah, I don't know why we said just assume special teams, but uh, I, I don't know. I've not cared. But I think the, the one thing was, and strap yourself in if this is news to you, Case Keenum most likely represents the end of a Mr. Davis Mills. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that could be the case. Um, even though I wouldn't be opposed to having three quarterbacks. Oh, three. Through camp, yeah, 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 but but Davis can't be the third quarterback, and and Case isn't going to be the third quarterback, and they're not going to cut Case, for, you know, like they signed him for a reason. So it very well could be. Um, I would not be surprised if Davis wants to be traded. I don't know what that looks like from the team standpoint. I don't know where they are, but I wouldn't be surprised if Davis looks at it like, hey, you know, just trade me for what for whatever you can get. Um, yeah, but, but it'll it will be interesting to see how the Davis situation plays out. Like, because I, I don't think he's going to be on the team. But does that mean whether that means he gets cut or released, or or they are able to trade him? Yeah, I, I think it's something to to watch out for because I don't have a good sense for it just yet. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's one of those ones where it was, you know. There'll be some value there because teams will put, you know, you, if you, yeah. it's maybe a trade, uh, a roster cut down guy it might be one of those where you get a six or something rather than, so a team can secure him rather than trying to get him on waivers maybe or something. I don't know. But you might, you never know, you might be surprised yeah. that you might get, a, you know, a fifth or something. So, yeah, yeah, we'll so, see. It, it could probably, I, I made it seem like it's going to be this big suspenseful thing, but it could honestly go either way, you know, and it won't, yeah. it won't be, honestly, it won't be a big deal either way. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like they'll just because by then, like right now it is, it feels like it and it's worth talking about. But by mm. the time they draft a quarterback, like once this thing gets resolved, oh, yeah. they will have Goodbye. drafted the quarterback <laughs> replacement. And it's like, who? 
I saw I saw a video the other day of one of these like notorious idiots on Twitter and it said the Texans don't need to draft a quarterback at one and the first play selected was a flea flicker. <laughs> and I just thought, well, if if you know if you if you can't see the irony in that, then good luck to you. But yeah. anyway, I think that'll end and I think you know the we'll, we'll all move on. So I think there was that tier and then early in the tier how you doing for a time, Brandon Bow? I didn't ask you oh, that start. So so the the first tier was Jimmy, or that the sort of first tier that became in, in that wave, if you like, was Jimmy Ward, uh, Chase Vinovich, and Hassan Ridgeway. All players I've heard of. I didn't have to Google these guys this year, so that felt like a step forward. And I said, okay, yeah, I've heard that guy. I remember seeing that guy play. So of those three, Brandon, is there anyone in that sort of tier that you think is going to make the most impact? Well, well, first of all, I want to say that those players, the fact that they signed those players, is the reason why I didn't mind the Mike Boons and. Uh, you know, and some of the, the you know, any of the stuff that I was like, huh? You know, I was like, okay, there, and even even case, maybe even because of it, what I felt like it probably signaled for Davis, um, and just mean that they were gonna more so than than Davis. I, I don't want to make it about him, but the number two overall pick. It's like, hey, they're investing in backup quarterback. They seemingly already have one in Davis, but now they're getting a different one. And so they're obviously going to go, instead of like signing Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, they're going to go and draft a quarterback like everybody wants them to do. So that was kind of the the underlying message for me when that happened. It made me feel good. To your question about those three players, though, I like, so I like them all, and, and I'm going to single out Jimmy Ward and Hassan Ridgeway for different reasons. Jimmy Ward, I think, is that, that's probably going to be the answer to your question for me because I think he just brings an attitude and this sort of mentality to the team that they not. I'm not going to say they were lacking, but they just desperately need a lot more of. I feel like they need a lot more guys who are just tough and physical, and you know, too many times out there you look around. And you feel like they're getting pushed around. You prefer, like, you don't think of, hey, I want my safety necessarily to be the epitome of that. But it helps to have as many guys like that as possible. So if it's a safety, I'll, I'll take it, you know. Um, and I think he brings that sort of attitude. I don't know, like, I, I, I think it's fair to wonder how long or, like, how good is he going to be in year 10? Well, the, yeah, that's it. He's you know, 31 that, there. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's probably my main concern and, and question. But, you know, there's no reason right now to kind of be at least optimistic about it since, I mean, you're talking about last year, they, a guy who played well and moved from safety to nickel and did it admirably. If a guy can move from safety to nickel one year, you feel like he can back from nickel to safety, you know, a, a year older. So I, I feel okay about it, even though it is a question, it's probably the one that I like the most, but Hassan Ridgeway too, though, like I, even though they were talking about a rotational guy, not a star in any sense of the imagination, but a quality NFL player. Like he was, I mean, for a rotational guy, he was among their better interior linemen, you know, like for, for a rotational guy. And they, they were just good all across the board. They didn't have many weaknesses, but he's a part of that. So I'm like, okay, again, not a signing that's just going to like set the world on fire and make you think, oh man, that, that'll fix everything. But then you pair that eventually, and I know we're going in sequence here, but you pair that eventually with Sheldon Rankins, and you're like, okay, now they've got interior linemen that include Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, and Hassan Ridgeway, which looks a lot different, like I was saying earlier, than Malik Collins, Roy Lopez, and Kurt Heinish. 
you know. Yeah. And, so, and like, so, I think like, so, like, so those are the ones I like a lot. Yeah, and like Kurt Heinisch or Roy Lopez might make the roster this year. I'm probably not both of them. All being yeah. said, um, but then when you're only asking 15 snaps or so out of those guys, then their play becomes better as well. So yes. you know, I think there's a there's a you're probably going to get better quality out of them, and then you might see some of the flashes that we saw in year one of Lopez rather than the the uh, exhausted <laughs> Lopez being out there. You know, 50, 60 percent the plays, which is too much for a guy that size. Um, yeah. And I think look, Jimmy Ward will be 32 by the time the season starts. I think we've got to remember that the legs go pretty quickly as a safety. You know, just in the same way, I'd be very cautious of paying Stephen Nelson because corners a year to year thing. I always remember, and the best example, Brandon, I go back to my head when I think about cornerback play. Ag Boye looked unbelievable when he was here. He got a couple of good years at him when he got the big deal. And then all of a sudden, he's traded to Carolina. Uh, doesn't look the same player all of a sudden. So, like, it, when it goes, it goes at that position because you have to cover so much space in the backfield when that natural raw athleticism's cut into, you know, you're no longer as effective as you can be. But what I think he will do is he'll help be a coach on the field from D'Amico and, and, and do all that kind of stuff. So, yes. like, to be a coach on the field, you might not get the full two years out of him, but, you know, he's been, he's been given... You know, what was it? Eight and a half million up front. Yeah. So you know that's why he's here because you paid yeah. him a big signing bonus. And, and you're asking him to play. And you're asking him to play safety alongside a guy that you believe more so in, and Jalen Petrie. Like you feel yeah. like that's more of the up and comer. And that could be his biggest, his yeah. biggest departure gift. You know, yeah. when we signed uh, Will Fork, and I, I fully believe DJ Reader's only the player he is is because he played with Vince Will Fork. So if we can have a similar kind of effect then I'm all for it. Yeah, I, didn't think, so, I didn't think about it like that either. That's a good point. That's a good, that's yeah. a, that's a, cause I was thinking about it more so of, Hey, yeah, well you're relying on kind of Petrie to be more of the playmaker type, but also you're not going to feel like you need, if you're bringing Tavier Thomas back and you still got Desmond King, you don't feel like you're going to put him in the slot either, you know, yeah. well, unless in a pinch, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, you feel like you're putting him in the best situation to succeed, but but you make a good point on the effect that he can have on others. You know, Laramie Thompson was just talking about that on saying, hey, I want to be a guy, a, a vessel to the Jalen Petries and Damian Pierce's and King and Greens of the world and Titus Howards of the world and everybody who's, young, who's younger than him. And, and Jimmy Ward is a very, very good example of somebody that could be that, somebody that they can learn from. So, um, and especially like like you said, being a coach on the field, teaching the scheme, helping teach the scheme. I mean, I think that's going to be super valuable. You know, you talk about them not, you know, they hadn't, and I know they've signed linebackers now, and we'll talk about it, but, you know, at that point, you know, it was like, a, you know, feeling was, hey, man, they're going to have to get a, a, a real middle linebacker. But getting getting Jimmy Ward in terms of a guy that can be someone that can tell you about the defense and is a super experienced in what they did or what they did in San Francisco, I think is valuable. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't, I don't think Ed Reed was that much older than thirty-two by the time the season starts when we sign him. A couple yeah. of years, maybe. But yeah. Yeah, so he, I think you know, you've got to be careful. You it like that. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, he quit before he even joined. He only, I think he only, uh, yeah, I think there was a yeah, couple of sol- solitary performances. I hope they, hope they checked his hip. I hope they checked Jimmy Ward's hip. Yeah, before yeah. that <laughs> Exactly. So no, I and I think you know I think Chase Vinovich, you know, he didn't make it New England for whatever reason. So I don't expect much out of him. But you know, and but all three of those guys all on their third team. So you know, it is what it is. But I think having those those positions, and I think when you when you see you know Jimmy Ward 
coming in uh, to, to, to play safety, hopefully. But I tell you what, this is one hell of a safety class in the draft this year, so I think from everything I've read, and I look, I'm nowhere in depth this year uh, <clears throat> in the drafts I was last year. Um, not even 1% is what I did last year. But there's definitely, you know, there's definitely you know more players you could bring in that he could coach up and you could get a safety tandem, sort your defence out pretty quickly. But I think of the first wave before the Cooks... Uh, Tunsil extension Sunday that first week Sheldon Rankins I think for me was probably the best player mm. um, that we signed and I think <clears throat> because the, this defence relies on and uh, pressure up the gut and you have to be able to get that so you can um, so so they keep the quarterback in the pocket and collapse the pocket and I think you know I know it's the hardest thing to play against it can it can kill a play in a second if you can get somebody that can beat their lineman off the snap I think he's got you know you've seen him win sacks of spin moves great first step great hands great upper body control to try and you know shorten his shorten his uh, length to the quarterback and I think Brandon for me Sheldon Rankins is potentially the best and now it's a it's a it's a reasonable investment one year uh, what was it nine almost 10 million uh, eight and a half guaranteed as well uh, so you know they've paid a bit of money out here to get these guys in um, we've obviously seen one guy go out in, in Okoronko, um on a one year uh, which I kind of thinks yeah it's a shame we've spent so much money because that'd be great to get a comp pick back for a guy like that but I think Rankin's to stay on topic, uh, is the best signing of that that first wave, I think, and potentially your most impactful signing that you've made in free agency. Yeah, and like I mentioned, I like the collection of it all, but as a singular player, yeah, Rankins is the best one. Um, that I, I felt like the Rankins one was the one where I felt like they were for real. And when and when I say they, I mean Nick Casario and approaching free agency for real and making this team better. And when I really started to turn my nose up against the idea that they weren't signing quality enough players, I'm like, okay, between like you, you start with Robert Woods and come all the way down to what they've done in between here to Sheldon Rankins, just here to where we are right now. And for the most part, they've either added depth or they have upgraded, I think, at the positions that they addressed. And and none, none more so, not only... I feel like not only is he the best player of that bunch, but I feel like he might even be, if I think about all of the positions that they've upgraded so far, he's he's probably like, just put him next to Roy Lopez. He's probably the biggest upgrade, you know, of anything that they, yeah. you know, like the, the, the difference from Jimmy Ward and Jonathan Owens and, or MJ Stewart, or whoever, Eric Murray, whoever else they had out there playing safety at a, at a given moment. I don't think it's going to be as significant as the difference between Sheldon Rankins and, and what, at least what you got from Roy Lopez last year. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. And you think like Jimmy Ward's, you know, better than, I've forgotten his name now. The one that's married to the, uh, yeah, Jonathan Owens, Jonathan former, Owens. Yeah. Jonathan Owens. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that was pretty much where you were. So is he better than that? Yeah. Is Chase Vinovich probably going to be better than a 32 year old Mario, Mario Addison? Absolutely. Um, and I think when when you think of that lineup of the front four, and I hope we add to it in the draft, and they will have to. I think there's yeah. no doubt about it. Particularly edge, because edge is probably obviously quarterback, wide receiver, and then edge. I think is a really you know tertiary spot um, in terms of your need hierarchy that needs to be filled in the draft. Yeah, their, their best edge rusher is Jerry Hughes, and he's older than I am. Well, that's it. Yeah. So, and you're not the oldest, Brandon, but you're not the youngest. So, mm-hmm. no offense. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a young man, but I'd be an old football yeah. player. Well, that's it. And the legs go. Uh, and uh, 
and 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 they go quick. So look, if Jerry Hughes can give you kind of similar what he did, albeit less reliant upon him, and you've got a you know a front four of of a base defense of Hughes, Ridgeway, Rankins, and Grenard, if he can stay healthy, particularly the latter contract year from, got to go and try and prove something. Then that's a hell of a lot better than we were last year when we were starting with Heinish, Lopez, Hughes, and who was and. And kind of Grenard. And I think when you look at the two edge guys of the front four, which uh, Miko will play, that's where we really kind of, if they were going to spend money, I think that was the hope that they would get somebody. But there wasn't really anybody on the market, I don't think, that you would have got. Was there any edge rushers out there that, that you would have signed, uh, Brendan? I think, I think Yannick Ngakwe is out there. Uh, um, I'm missing somebody, though. There there were two. Yannick Ngakwe is one of, like, I'm just talking about people that we've heard of, Okay. Oh, man. Damn it, I'm going to be mad about this. Yannick Ngakwe was one, and there was another one. It might be on my show doc within the loop from the other day because I feel like I mentioned it. It just didn't come up on air. But, but, but I mean, like, what are we talking about here, though? Like, do, are we – am I upset that they didn't go get Yannick Ngakwe? You know, like, he's, just, he's still out there, you know? So, like, in theory, he could still be had uh, as far as I know. So, you know, it's like it's not the end of the world. Um I think they were. I mean, of course. I mean, Clowney's still out there. Frank, I think Frank isn't Frank Clark a, a free agent? Uh, I so, yeah. Because I mean, if you look at like the Draymond Jones deal to Seattle, I mean, it was that fifty-one million from Denver? <laughs> yeah, probably not. The best one was Zach Allen. Everybody would have went this up forty-seven yeah, yeah. million to Denver. And, 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 I, and I'm not, I'm not clamoring for any of these guys, right? You know, I'm just saying mm-hmm. these, these are some of the guys that you've heard of. that are still, I think, out there that that you know could potentially make them better. You know, I mentioned Clowney, um, mentioned Yannick Ngakwe, um, you know, Bobby Wagner as a, you know, we know we're talking about edge rusher, but as a middle linebacker was somebody that was, that, uh, that was released. So, like, there are names out there that you could feel like, hey, you know, should they, should they sign DJ Shark as a wide receiver? You know, I mean, there are guys out there, but I, I feel like those are all – those are all the same quality guy, right? We're talking. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And shout out to Charles Amenahu for getting a two-year sixteen in KC. By the way, that was a oh, nice I, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. can uh, negotiate. I'll give him that for all these flaws. He can certainly negotiate. Yeah. Um, but I think the, I mean, like the the Jaron Reed one, and he's, yeah, and he's a fit for the scheme. I think that's safe to say. Two years, nine million. I would have been involved in that. I think. You know, and then there's you know there's other guys um, that that are out there, um, and I mean, and look, I think the sign of the market is uh, Obo was what he was six highest paid defensive end, um, not including outside linebackers because we we're at four three this year. Um, so you know, Larry Ogan, Joby getting you know deals, Zach Allen, you know, all the top stuff. So the the market was bare. So I understand why they didn't spend at that position beyond Chase Finovich, but. Yeah. Riddle me this, Brandon. How did Demarcus Walker, the Demarcus Walker that played here for yeah. two years, yeah, uh, get a three-year, twenty-one million? And so, riddle me that. <laughs> they, 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 in Chicago, right? They they are yeah. well. They had money to spend. They had to spend the money to to meet right, the minimum right. requirement rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I checked in a little bit on some of the Chicago radio on that uh, going to the Bears. And they had them on like the afternoon. Their drive time show had them on as a guest, and they were like you know, wanting to know more about this guy, you know, and I'm like, okay, sure. You know, like he's, I mean, he's okay. He's fine. I mean, when he was here, they, they had to whip him into shape at first, you know, he started yeah. training camp. Wasn't in the and they kicked game. him inside a lot as well. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and eventually it kind of came together. You could see why, you know, he's kind of a semi-interesting player, but to, to that to that degree, again, hey, and that's another one where good, you know, good for him. Yeah. You know, good for him. Uh clearly did something that uh, did enough last year, I have to say, in Tennessee to to make the uh to make the Bears feel like it was worth investing in that. But but man, no, I'm that, that if you're if you were to look at it from a Texan standpoint and say, would you have liked for them to spend their money in this way on Demarcus Walker? No, I, I much, I much <laughs> yeah, prefer. You can get much <laughs> for that price. The strategy that the Texans uh, deployed with Demarcus Walker than the one that the Bears did, uh, respectfully. Yeah, well, that's it. And I think when you're a free agent as well, I think it'd be a dangerous game to pay money and try and convert them from an outside linebacker as well. Um, you know, the, the the light or guys, I suppose the only one was Arden Key that you potentially got the Jacksonville's three-year 20. Well, it's yeah. two-year 14, I think, that last seven's paper. But, um, well, yeah, I, I think the, the main decision of it is kind of is what it is now, I think, right now. And we'll, we'll see where see where we go. But I think Rankins was the definite. But I, I still think if you want to be competitive in games and make impact in games, you're going to have to find yeah. a way to... Um, interestingly, but I, I saw um, I saw Anderson um, from Alabama said that he's the only team he's spoken to is the Texans at the pro day yesterday. So that was quite an interesting one. I don't know if, if the stock's not as high on him, and um, you know, I'd, I <clears throat> I'd love for Georgia's number eighty eight to fall as after a <clears throat> some kind of legal wrangling and being involved in the car the accident that killed his teammate, and and then a a, a brutal pro day. But I I, I don't believe. A bad pro day is enough to 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 push teams away to twelve, um, based on his tape. But you know, I think if you could get if you could find a way to get one of those guys plus a quarterback, I don't think it'll happen. This is wishful fantasy utopia stuff right now. But if you could, I think that would you know that would really make you feel like this this club's pushed on the off season because you could do with both of them and regardless of these guys you've signed. Yeah, you mean so like taking Jalen Carter at twelve if he's there. Well, yeah, just say he's pissed off a few teams. I know there was character concerns, and and obviously, yeah. you know, he's he's not the best guy, um, or he's he's certainly made bad choices. But look, he's a young guy, and he's probably already got a couple of million in his tail through nil. But, um, yeah. but still, you know, I think Will Anderson's the one that you you know, if they don't go quarter, we've kind of digressed a little bit here. But if they don't go quarterback, then you know, I, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. I cannot imagine a scenario where they don't go quarterback. No, neither I. And that's why I think you'll have to fall to 12 to get one of them. And I, I don't, I, neither will. I don't. And, I, and I'll be honest. I know that there's varying op- uh, opinions and thoughts on the quarterbacks. Like some like them more than others. And, and so some people just aren't as high on the quarterbacks in this draft. The, the ones at the top or any of them for that matter. And don't feel like they're worth uh, taking at that spot, especially considering the, the, the alternatives defensively, like you mentioned with Will Anderson. But I, I'm in the camp of actually really liking the quarterbacks. Like, I, I like them both enough to take it that spot. I don't think it would be a reach or a, uh, you know, like a desperation type of thing to go get one just because you need one and one's there. I think that the ones are there are actually good enough to invest in with that pick. So I would I would hate I, I wouldn't hate having Will Anderson. Don't get me. Don't mistake me here because Will Anderson is excellent. Um, but. I, if you told me that they passed up the opportunity to to draft a franchise quarterback, boy, I'm going to be rooting so hard against that quarterback. Like, I'm going <laughs> to be praying to God that C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, whichever the guy is that's left there at two that they would pass up on, I'll be praying to God that that guy flames out. And I don't want to wish bad on anybody. I'd like to root for everybody. But since right now I've got the conviction that those guys will be good, I want them to draft them, and if they don't, 
I'm going to sort of change my my mind there and hope that I'm wrong, that I was wrong about them and that they're right. You know, um, I'll, I'll root for them to be right over me, which I wouldn't be you know opposed to either. So, uh, but but it, it is a, a a fascinating sort of idea of okay, well, what if what if you know? And I've thought about this. We've done shows about this on Sports Radio Six Ten. What if, despite the fact that Hendon Hooker is in his mid twenties and is coming off of a, of a serious knee injury? and didn't really play in a real offense in, in, in college. What if they still like what they see from him and they still like his traits and know that they could get him later in the draft and feel like the difference between him as a prospect, and, and I would agree with this, but what if they thought this? The difference between him and, as a prospect and the difference between him and these other guys as a prospect is not that great. It's not that good. Oh, if it comes off, you're you're laughing. You know, you and that's that's why the Seattle had such a run in that sort of vintage draft class because you find a guy in the third round that nobody really expected yeah. to be good. Same with Dak Prescott. You yeah. know, if you find and they only come up along every so often, but they do come along. Yeah, um, like I, I make fun of guys. We get texts, man. I, I, I shit you not. We get texts about why aren't y'all talking about Stetson Bennett? What about yeah. what about Clayton Toon, the the university? Yeah, not very good. Yeah. And, and, and we're like, well, we're not talking about them because they have the number two overall pick, and they're not gonna, you know, they're gonna pick the guys that's gonna be available at two, or you know, one of the guys that makes sense at two. But it's like, oh well, maybe we should think more. And I, I mean, like Stetson Bennett, come on now. Like, if they were to do that, I'd be really, really shocked. But like, what if they view it as, hey, I could find a just as good quarterback in Hendon Hooker or nearly as good quarterback prospect in Hendon Hooker who's got a couple more dents on him. Mm. But I could go with that and then give me Will Anderson. And you know, yep. at, at, give me Will Anderson at two. And then give me a wide receiver at twelve. You know, yeah. It, yeah, I don't think there's a wide receiver worth picking at twelve though. Is or, be my, you know, whatever. Like, it could be yeah. it could be whatever they give me a give me a yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna pay Titus Howard. So give me my tackle at twelve, whatever it is. Now I do like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm I actually like B. John Robinson. And I know a lot of people don't are like, hey, don't take a running back in the first round. I, I think, wouldn't do it twelve. I think he's that dynamic though. Yeah, um, I wouldn't do it twelve, but if you could trade back a number of spots and just say you got a second and a third or something and you traded back say 10 spots or something like that and then you got two you know another two starters and you got the best potentially which I, I think it's safe to say I think Bijan Robson probably is the best offensive dog quarterback player in this draft there's too yeah. much doubt about that yeah, um, yeah that's, that's one thing I would say about Jackson Smith and Jigbot is just the, the so when I, when I and I'm only going on last year's film of college because I've watched next to none this year but against when he's playing in a team with Garrett Wilson um, and uh, and Chris Olave, he was the best out of the three. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And that for says me, a lot. When I was watching it, that says a lot. And and they and, and and not just you, they would tell you the same thing. They would agree with you. You know. Yeah. And like, I, but yeah. ironically, if you watch him this year in the limited games he played, and he's been injured, so there's a little bit, you know, soft tissue injury as well. The one another Will Fuller. But I think when you when you watch them with against uh, Harrison Jr. He's not the best player. So it just shows you the fact that it rolls through there and different guys, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson wasn't necessarily the best player yeah. uh, apart from when he played with Jamar Chase on an LSU, but he's come to the next level and never looked back. Yeah. Um, so there's no Jamar Chase in this. And I think that that's the issue. So, um, and, you, and nor would you, nor would a player like that reach to 12 as a transcendent talent at 
what has now become a really premium spot on your roster, which wasn't five years ago. Um, But it's now become really important with the way the game's going. I love you said transcendent talent, though, because that's that's what I think B. John Robinson is the closest thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, And and the reason why I'm I'm for it, because, look, there is a philosophy of don't draft a running back high, don't pay a running back. I only subscribe to the back half of that. Like we can have a conversation about never giving a running back a lucrative extension. Like what would be considered a max, I know max extension is not a football term, but like what would be considered a high max lucrative long-term extension, whatever you think that looks like. I could see the argument, but I would also say that with Bijan, I don't think he'll ever be as valuable or let me put it this way. I don't think a team will be able to get B. John Robinson at the same value as they will right now in this draft, no matter where he gets picked, 12, 25, 30, whatever it is, whatever contract he signs as a rookie, unless he gets picked like, he's not going to go number one overall, obviously, right? So wherever he gets picked for the money he's going to make, let's say he gets picked at 12, okay? Let's say the Texans take him. The 12th overall pick, the contract, I could relook this up, but I don't feel like the, the contract is any more than like $18 million. You know, like uh, so, yeah, I, top, like top picks like 30, isn't it? And then it just kind of goes, 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 goes down. Through. By the time you get to 12, that number gets down to around 20, 18 to 20 million dollars. Let, let, let's say my high end that it's 20, you know, over the course of his contract. That's I, I think I think right now. Now, would I do I want to pay him that in four years? We can have we can have that conversation later. Like, I don't I don't think so. But right now. That's about the caliber and cost of player that I feel like he is. And right now would be the best time to get. I'm not saying pay him the second contract. You know, maybe, you know, that's a different discussion. Maybe your franchise tag him if he's still good or something. But right now, whatever team, if it's not the Texans, whatever team it is, they're going to get the best value out of B. John Robinson for the amount of money that they're going to pay him for where they'll draft yeah. him. You know, yeah. by, by, the, by the time it's time for his next contract, he will be too expensive. Yeah, and and more likely to to slow down and yes. be injury. So exactly. yeah, I wouldn't hate exactly it. And right. I, I've toyed with it as well because I think one thing that I have read and, and 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 watched a little bit is that he got better between his before his his, his penultimate year and his final year in college. He improved. Yeah. Um, and I think to the point where he, he can catch passes. Um, you know, probably as well as some of the wide receivers. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. He, he probably should have done a lot more than that than they actually did. So. You know, a coach has got to be looking at it. At least I figure a coach and a, you know, a GM and a staff, scouting staff that's looking about drafting this player got to be thinking, man, if we if we actually utilize this, you know, if if we have an imagination for this, then what could it be? You know, because they they certainly did not nearly enough this past year uh, at Texas. So yeah, no, absolutely not. And I think that, that that's what you got to remember. I think that it's it's not a premium position and it's been devalued. But you know, watching Derek Henry twice a year. It could be a hell of an asset for you, and you don't necessarily need to have all this other stuff around it for it to be powerful. So, yeah. So we'll try and wrap this up pretty quickly, Brandon. We've kind of gone through it, uh, but I think some the, probably the signing that everybody kind of, and I, I don't think could be thanking his agent, but signing Dalton Schultz for one year nine after coming off a franchise tag at thirteen, I think his agents quite clearly overshot the market. Didn't perhaps under quite fully grasp what the market was for his client. Um, but that potential is the Texans' potential gain because I think it was a spot where when in a strange kind of season when Quintoriano kind of came in and actually proven 
reasonably well that he can block. It's a great class for tight ends. That's that's clear safety, tight ends, cornerbacks, edge rushers. Those yep. are the kind of top few positions from what I've seen. This could be a pretty good deal, I think. So uh, hopefully um, it's a little bit of good fortune, I think. And the fact that, you know, an upper tier tight end, a position of need that you needed, has come to to Houston and signed, albeit it's another one year deal. But I think that was a pretty good, pretty good sign, and I think the same with with uh, Singletary as well. He's like yep. a proven NFL back, and he can contribute. Ideally, is maybe you know your secondary guy at, at worst, you know, and potentially even you know you can sprinkle him in there as maybe a tertiary guy, and you'd have you know just say you did take Bijan, you'd have a really good kind of three headed attack there in the backfield. But I think Dalton Schultz potentially Brandon with the, considering the weakness of the wide receiver position, I think he's got a really big chance to potentially be that kind of Owen Daniels kind of secondary pass catching in terms of targets and, and receptions, if not maybe even your primary. Yeah, I think uh, just how we were saying earlier, the Sheldon Rankins was the best of those defensive signings. Mm. Dalton Schultz would be my counterpoint on the, or my, my counter example on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's their best signing so far on the offensive side, on the offensive side, clearly uh, has a chance to be, their dare I say their biggest weapon. We were trying to we were trying to sort through this with the wide receiver position, like you were just mentioning the weakness of it. Like who's going to be their top wide receiver? You know, I know it's going to be Nico Collins until they draft some. Oh yeah, so there we go. Who's going to be the leading wide receiver for this team? It's, you just said it's going to be Nico Collins. Well, I don't. Well, I don't give me the leading. I think he'll be the the sort of kind of. Yeah. potential to be but he's not proven he's healthy he's not consistently done it he's shown flashes but never pieced it together mostly because of injury um yeah so it's a hard know, question I, to answer though oh know? yeah yeah big time. Question big to answer. and and you could make the argument and i would and will that that dalton schultz is their best offensive weapon in the passing game right now you know like <laughs> That that's kind of the 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 fact of the matter right now so it'll be real interesting to see how that plays out what they end up doing at wide receiver but in terms of the tight end position, like it just got a lot better from uh, from from that standpoint. Um, so so yeah, I, I like it a lot. Uh, the 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 point you made earlier though about his market really interesting to me on how they screwed that. I mean, how, what's the other way to look at that other than screwing that up? Um, not getting, like I don't know what the status of like what kind of deal he could have gotten, but you know. 13 million to 9 million in a year where he was actually, you know, on a really good offense that was still productive. Uh, I do wonder this, this might seem a little silly, but I do wonder how much the end of that playoff game factored into the view of him. Like it would be un- totally unfair because he's a much better player than just kind of that moment. But I wonder if like that lasting impression of him not getting his foot down sort of cavalier in that playoff game was like, huh? You know, maybe I don't want Dalton Schultz, you know, or maybe he isn't worth all the money that we were going to pay him, you know, like, and that would be silly. But to me, it is an interesting, if it is a coincidence, would be an interesting coincidence that his lasting moment after overall being a really good player, his lasting impression would come, you know, right before he gets less money than what it seemed like he was going to get before. And and clearly what he got on the franchise tag. So uh, I think from the standpoint, they they did really good. In a, in a, a non premium position in a soft market with a really burgeoning rookie class, yeah, it's perhaps a little bit overpay when you look at the total context of it. But 
is he better than Jordan Aitkins? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, this team's taking another strike forward at another position. So, yeah. Well, nine, 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 I mean, nine million. He's. That's nine, all right. Yeah. It's all right. I mean, you could you could do worse than that. Not nine million. Not, I don't think it's official yet, is it, that one? I've not seen any details. I've not, I've no, no. I mean, you know, we get these emails that confirm them later, you know, days after they're reported. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those emails saying, you know, we've signed so-and-so. And we I, we have not. Matter of fact, I, I can check my email now just to be sure because I've been talking to yeah. you. Just to be sure. No, it doesn't look like well, we've done anything like yeah. that. So. And while we've been talking here, I've seen Aaron Wilson's reported that uh, Texans have signed former Steelers uh, kickoff return or wide receiver kick return, Stephen Sims Jr. So, okay. um, investment in special teams while we've been sitting here. So, yeah, yeah. I think Luke is good. I think, you know, is he going to be better than Andre DeAndre Carter? That was the last one. Who was returning? Oh, Trayvon Smith, didn't he? He, went, he? he got a decent deal in Denver. So that's a replacement yeah. for that, a lower, yeah. assuming yeah. a lower cap is. So then what he got. So, so, so be it. So I think, the la- well, I suppose we've got the backup centre to talk about, I suppose, oh, yeah. haven't we, really? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a position that that looks a little bit light, and I think you know Dieter might be it. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, in the same way that they brought back Derek Rivers uh, for reasons unknown to anybody that's watched this team play. Um, I don't know why they brought back Scott Quisenberry because it just you know sometimes it's just not you don't have to bring somebody back in the feed of not signing anybody, but that's what they did. And look, he, you know, Dieter's obviously there because they've not, and I thought maybe. I don't know what the outs in the Quisenberry deal is, and maybe that I thought that would lead to you know potentially a release, but that will depend on, on the undrafted free agent class and if they do find the centre, of which there are reportedly only sort of two or three candidates that people think have got the capacity to play immediately. Um, so that's a little bit of concern, I think. Yeah, it's been a concern, it, and it remains a concern. But like I said, it's been a concern for a little while now. Um, ever since, I mean, I th- I think I'd even go back to bringing Justin Britt back. Like the fact that that was their main plan. Oh, uh, I don't know, but I don't. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like that. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, yeah, when, I, know, I know. When no, no, no. When they brought him back last year. Oh yeah, I know. No, I know. But like, yeah, that sort of tier of player. I think he's just. I think well, who was the guy they got for Green Bay the year before, and he was Lane, he was cooked. Lane, Lane Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh Lade Taylor, was it Lade Taylor? That's what, that's what, I'm sorry, Lane Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Lade Taylor. Lane, Lane Johnson. Johnson. I wish we I'll take Lane Johnson even at his age, he's just got a new deal. But I'm sorry. Lane yeah. Taylor. So, so Lane Taylor, yeah, the the, the Marcus Cannon, uh AJ Can, uh Justin Britt, like I th- have they not learned their lesson of don't mm-hmm. side guys who just probably don't give you the movement to 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 yeah. do it. Um yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Justin yeah. Britt yeah, that was a disaster last year. Just right, the fact right. they took up, the fact they took up till the week before free agency, uh, do it. Then uh, that was a bit of an indictment, I think, when it really yeah. so. Um, so yeah, no, well, I get. I was only joking. Yeah. But, but yeah, but the point there is that it's just been a long-standing issue. You know, it was a long-standing issue that has not been adequately addressed. No way, no way you slice it. So it's something that I've been big on the entire offseason. I said that it was their biggest need because like, I just threw quarterback away. Cause like, obviously like, I mean, we don't have to have a conversation about how important quarterback is. So I like put quarterback at fifth, you know, just, just to be cute and said, Hey, you know, the biggest need is center, mm. you know, like let's, let's, if we were to do a, a top five, let's work our way down and, and just start at quarterback, you know, make that fifth, but you really need a center, you know what I mean? And they have not done it. And they need to do it. And it makes you feel like that's something that they could really address in the draft. And, you know, there is a slight chance that they see something in this Michael Dieter from my 
that that you know just the rest of the world that just has not seen maybe maybe that's the case and i would be shocked if that is but they got to do something it feels like um and i'll be really watchful for what they what their approach is in the draft of course on the air i was real um i, I thought while not the best option is in terms of like the quality of player i thought jeff brendel from the san francisco 49ers just made sense as a guy who was a free agent and played much better than what was expected of him last year. He had been a career backup until last year and, and played well. And I thought probably outpriced himself out of the 49ers market and priced himself in to the Texans market. I was wrong about that. The 49ers brought him back, you know, and, and my understanding is there, there wasn't much of a back and forth there with Brendel um, of yeah. him want, wanting to come here because he wanted to stay there uh, and they wanted to keep him. So, um, so I was hoping for that, you know, cause I thought that would be a reasonable kind of a reasonable deal that they could make and still be an upgrade while not necessarily being one of these home run hidden moves, you know, something that was going to mm-hmm. wow people and knock people's socks off or anything like that. Uh, but, but yeah, the <laughs> Michael Deere, at least a lot, that leaves a lot to be desired there. Him and Scott Quaid and, and with Quesenberry, I figure he just comes back as a backup, like, if you tell me Scott Quesenberry is one of your backups, I can live with that. You know, it's when you insert him into the, you know, as you're one of your starting offensive linemen and he starts for 15 games or 16 games, 17 games, however many games he started. I think it was 16. Um, yeah, I mean, that 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 is what, 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 what concerns me. If he's a death piece, I can live with it. He's on a practice squad, I can live with it or whatever, you know. Yeah. But, but – you know, that can't be your starting center and, and your only options can't be him and somebody that, you know, couldn't even start for Miami's offensive line last year, you know. So uh, yeah. I didn't even have an offensive snap from what I saw. So, I mean, they got to do yeah. something. They got to do something. Well, what what I couldn't really get my head around was when four off seasons ago, and this is what in my head when I saw some of the safe, the, the center contracts come through, when in 2019 you gave Nick Martin 18 million up front, 33 over three, Okay, and I know it was different people here then, and it was it was a strange thing to do at the time, yes. um, and it and it and it and everybody kind of thought it was pretty crazy, but you know within that context, and it probably shows you where where we were and where we've got to, but was the you know the Garrett Bradbury, which is effectively just a one year five five two five, the Bradley Bozeman, I don't think necessarily he's probably a scheme fit actually Brad Bozeman, but. Um, coming from he was previously Baltimore wasn't he but but anyway you know just if you take the Brendel thing which I think that only works out as a one year five so effectively committing to a one year five year deal um, or you know or, a, or 16 up front and or 15 up front in paper over three and four years respectively like if they weren't in that market versus what they're in I think they might regret that and there, there is times when you know I think you have to invest a little bit more than you probably feel comfortable with, and I think that was one of them. But we'll see. Hopefully, we address that in the in the draft, uh, Brandon, because we're going to have to. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't see what else the other options are now. You know, now that they didn't do it in free agency, and to be clear, I was hoping they would do it in free agency. This is one of the things that I was hoping wouldn't be a thing they'd have to address in the draft. Yeah. Uh, at least have to address in the draft. If they saw an opportunity, a player that they liked for the value that they could get them, would have been opposed to it. But I'd much rather the, you know, they go the veteran route and have an established center or something closer to it and have done that. Um, and again, with the Brindle thing that I, you know, that we talked about, I don't know if it was more so them not being in the market for him is him not being in the market with them. You know, like him just, hey, I'll I'll take whatever San Francisco gives me. And I, again, I don't know what they offered him with the tech or if he even got that far. But 
you know, my understanding is that he wanted to be in San Francisco. So, uh, which, I mean, who wouldn't want to play for the 49ers given what they got going on right now, you know, versus what what is basically an experiment here with the Texans. So I get that. Um, but, I mean, there's there's more guys out there you would, you'd like to see them just – I don't want to say be more aggressive because without knowing exactly how aggressive they were for sure. Um, yeah. But you, you, would like, you would like to see better results is I guess is the best way to put it. And, um, and hopefully now the best way to do that is in the draft somehow. Yeah. And it's, it's design chaos. I think in some ways that the league are quite happy with refs being objectively wrong and bad at times it, because it creates, uh, it creates an industry around it. And I think free agency is design chaos and, and, and the, the, uh, the the depiction of Casario talking about you know doing deals on text <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. quickly within the space of an hour is is kind of I think it lends itself well to that so final bit and then we'll wrap it up a, lot, a touch on the draft but Perryman uh, Denzel Perryman was a good player tore his hamstring off the bone when he was in um, when he was in uh, the Chargers might have still been in San Diego at that point who knows um, didn't really do it for the the Raiders um, Littleton's the same great year and got himself paid also in uh in well it might be in Oakland, might be in LA. Stop moving these teams, I think that's one thing you need to learn. But anyway, he's then been in Carolina next year. I I, I think Perryman or, or or sorry, Littleton gives you more than Perryman for me because I think, you know, we moved on for a guy from like Bernardrick McKinney as he got older because he came less effective. I see Perryman's career trajectory going that way as well. Littleton at least is a bit better in space mover. Uh, Cody Stutes t- told me he far prefer Perryman on Twitter, but what's what's your thought on those two guys? And the silver lining might be Kirksey might be gone, and that, that that's probably that'll be the yeah. best off season move for me because I'm sick to death watching that guy play ball. But anyway, yeah. all respect well, to the man, but not the player. Yeah, well, I would say that's my that's my takeaway. The the last part bit of what you said there. <laughs> I think before without parsing through, uh, you know, Perryman and like like the fact that it's not going to be, you know, and I, I like Christian Kirksey a lot as well, but do you feel like he's probably going to be a cap casualty more than likely or somebody that's not going to, um, that's not going to survive through camp at the very least. So, uh, Littleton Perryman, you know, either way it goes, it's a new day. Uh, it's a new day here at the, you know, at, at, at that linebacker position specifically. Um, I think it's okay. Like the difference, I would say, like with Bernardrick McKinney, I mean, he was just really a throwback. Like, I don't think Perryman is like that in terms of the way Bernardrick McKinney was just, uh, he was like a transformer out there. Like, and he, like, man, the linebackers just don't look like that anymore, man. It's just a different game. Um, and you saw how things faded out for him. Uh, didn't even really last very long in Miami um, after that trade. So I think this is good. They had to do it, you know, like, and, it, to me, like I, I right now, without watching them play and, and seeing how it's going to all come together, how they're going to all play together, I just look at it as what it signals and what it means and what they're trying to do, and and that that's the big thing. That's why I cling to the to the end there when you're like, hey, it just means Chris, Christian Kirksey is more than likely yeah. out of here. Well, then yeah, that's. I mean, you bring in Denzel Perryman and you bring in Littleton, Corey Littleton. Um, more than likely because you're moving in a different direction. Like Christian Kirksey now would be redundant um, and, and, and not in a good way, you know, like not in a depth depth kind of way, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so that, that, that's my takeaway from it is that, you know, it's a new day. And, and I think that these are guys, that, again, 
I'm not like about to throw a party about it. Like, yeah, man, they got they and the Denzel Perryman's been in the that's been in the works for a while. So it's been like the worst kept secret over here in Houston media that they were working on this deal with Denzel Perryman. Hmm. It's like okay. not big money either, really. No. I mean, he's not yeah. really neither is so neither's contract signals instant starter. And I think actually they're both on less money APY than they sing curtains. Yeah. But and well, I don't know why it took so long, man. We've been hearing about this for weeks, it feels like. But uh but yeah, yeah so so I mean that's that's how you feel. It's like okay, they're just they 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 feel like this is at the very least a slight upgrade and you hope that it is. They needed it, you know, and so it it it, it almost brings me back to center as the one where I'm like, man, there's if, if, if there's a gripe, and, and it's not really a gripe because they can still do it, but if there is a gripe, it's like, okay, well, they did a really good, uh, they did a really good job at addressing a lot of the key positions of need, except this one, you know, and, and, and linebacker would be one of the ones you feel, uh, got to at least feel better about. Yeah, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely sort of, you know, in the same way that Hassan Ridgeway or Chase Vinovich or, yep. you know, um, yeah, Noah Brown or Robert Woods or whatever you can put them out there, and they don't. I don't think you, if you you feel like they're going to let you down. And I think we've probably been in that position too, too far too often. Um, and you know when we highlighted the the example of the defensive tackles, Brandon B. Moore. So anyway, I was sitting in a bar in Brooklyn, Brandon. It was my birthday. I was in uh, in this bar in Brooklyn, um, and it comes up on the television. The Panthers have traded to the number one overall pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, it, it uh, was what everybody expected. Well, you just knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I was. I'm trying to think where was I? Because I feel like I was at a bar too. Because I had to stop whatever I was doing and and tend to it. But, but yeah, man, it's good for them, you know. Because I, I, I the one thing that's been confirmed to me that I thought even at the time when the Texans won that last game was like, man even if they don't want the quarterback, even if they don't know which quarterback they want mm. yet, they're going to regret not being in this position to dictate. Imagine getting DJ Moore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. DJ Moore. Like, yeah, they could have gotten DJ Moore. I didn't even think about it like that. That's that's another point. Yeah. Because, I mean, that would obviously be instantly their best receiver by a mile. Well, was it, two, it was two first, two seconds, and, and, a, and, and effectively a, a leading wide receiver right. or, you know. That's right. That's exactly it. So it's like, oh man. So you mean that's what we could? You mean the Texans could have either gotten their quarterback, which is what I probably would have preferred, but as a consolation prize, they could have gotten that. Yeah, and and, and still in a position to to you know to I don't know, man. It's you know all all of that. Okay, that you could have gotten, and then all of the assets that you already had. You know, like, oh, man, you know, you just feel like you're set up. So good for them. It's a it's a really cool thing to be able to control the draft, control narratives, uh, play mind games with the media and with the public and maybe even with the other teams if they can't see through it. You know, I think that's a lot of what's happening now. Posturing. Nobody really knows. I don't think who the Panthers want. So, well, somebody knows, but I don't think the the public really knows. And there is a slight chance, the slight, I don't believe it, but the slightest chance that the Panthers don't know which would be hilarious. That would be hilarious if they just traded up to the number one overall pick just for the opportunity to pick the first guy and not necessarily knowing which guy they want. I don't believe that's the case, but that would be hilarious. That would be a, a, a very bold and audacious move. So, uh, but, but either way, man, it's, it's a position that you prefer to be in. Picking two is nice. It's cool. I think it's going to work out for the Texans more than likely. 
Um, well, more than likely, it's probably not. More than likely, it actually doesn't. Funny enough, uh, the the odds actually probably say it doesn't. But I like the the prospects and what they could do there. But it's no question that having that number one overall pick is better. Being in the Bears' position that they were in is better, and now being in the position that the Panthers are in is better. And look, I I said, look, the, the Texans. I'm fine with them not trading up to the number one overall pick. I just hope that they really, really like whichever quarterback they land with. Because if you have that kind of conviction, or or even or even if it's or even if it's Will Anderson, you know, like I just hope that they like like that player because there's nothing like just being able to say, hey, I'm gonna dictate this. I'm gonna dictate who is the best, like who is the number one quarterback, who is the number one player. Or I'm gonna be in that position where I can be the Bears and trade the 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 number one overall pick, or I can be the Panthers and try to flip it again. Like I don't think that's gonna happen, but like I can be the the Panthers and try to flip it again. Maybe I didn't really want it. I just wanted to get somebody to pay more than I paid for it. You know, yeah. just and, and all the things that you can kind of just do with your imagination with what you can do with the number one overall pick. It's just way more fun and interesting. So, uh, but hopefully, yeah, it's like hopefully the, the, the Texas works out. You know, yeah. The Texans' choice reminds me, and it, it's on one of the Netflix comedy specials where there's like a series of comedians in a club. I think it's in LA, and they all do a, they all do like their best material for sort of twenty minutes or so. And there's an American comedian, a black guy, and I can't remember his name, and he's he's really funny, and uh, he's not like a big superstar, I don't think anyway, um, from my knowledge. But anyway, he does the sketch where he goes in and he says, "How you know?" And there's always that quote, uh, "What was it? Um, what men love the the women that love them the most." And, uh, yeah. and he does a sketch where he says, where he goes up in a club and he says, how most men find their partners is they'll go up and say to a group of women, which one of you likes me the best? Because I like you the same, you know? And it's, it's a bit like that's the kind of choice that the Texans are kind of faced with here. Like you're just going to get what you're given and uh, and reciprocate because you have to, you've got no choice. We don't control the draft. If we controlled the draft, we'd be a, a female. Uh, yeah. Now that we now that we're second in, we're, a ma- we're we're the male in this choosing of relationships here to how of who we're going to try and spend the next five years of our football and life together. So yeah. we don't yeah. get the free choice anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but, and to uh, be clear, and to be clear too on how I feel about that, I'm not saying because I feel like there's a lot of pushback on this. Okay, on like, yeah. hey, well, if you if the Panthers take the quarterback that you want, that you really really want. Don't just reach for the other guy just because he's there and you feel like you have to. I agree with that. Don't just pick the other quarterback because I like him or because you like him or because Texans Twitter likes him or because it would be the popular thing to do. And and it would create it would undoubtedly create a certain level of buzz, no matter how good Bryce Young or CJ Stroud is going to be. Before they ever step foot on the football field, it's going to create an energy and a buzz around this team and around this franchise that I think it's is is worth considering you know but don't do it if you don't believe what i believe okay so i like i i i I truly want to get that across like i'm not saying that that's something that they feel like they've got to do i just hope that they truly agree with me that they truly think that the guy is actually good and if they don't don't freaking do it man don't do it you know, so like I, I, I don't want to, I don't want them to feel like their hand is forced. Like, oh, I just got to take this quarterback that's here. I hope they don't view it that way, even though that is what it is. Like, you're, you're, just the math of it. You're taking the second guy, but I hope they truly believe in the second guy if they take mm-hmm. him. And if they don't, take somebody else. Take somebody else. Yeah, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna find that 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 sketch for the comedian. I'm gonna put it on Twitter yeah. after this. Yeah, one. yeah, I'll check it, it out. It. Uh, check it out. And um, that's the the situation the Texas are in. But imagine this. So so if you think if you're Casario, you he desperately wanted to trade it at that spot that when he picked Stingley didn't get the chance. You've got to assume because he he was very public about it. Picture this scene, Brandon Miller outdoor draft party in the theater mm-hmm. in Herman Park. It is, isn't it? Yeah, Herman Park. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, and he everybody's there, anticipation, and trades out, and he trades it again the twelfth. So just say that, just say in a world where he's not convinced with the quarterbacks, and actually he'll take one of these guys, you know, a uh, Hendon Hooker or whoever, um, in the second or third round. And then you come with a bevy of picks all second, third and fourth round because you've traded out and then you use all the rest of your picks to trade up in that sort of top 100, 150 players and say you come out with eight or nine draft picks but all of them are fifth round and above, right? Mm -hmm. But that's based on you've traded out of those two top assets. How do you think people would feel about it? You know, honestly, I I think if they, as long as they get a quarterback, okay, and I, Mm -hmm. I, there, there will be... I think a, a healthy level of disappointment if if it's not one of those two guys. Uh, but but if they get a quarterback, say it's Hendon Hooker, I think that there is some credibility built in with with D'Amico Ryan's. But you know, with with that and some excitement, I should say, I should say excitement more than anything. But I, it would be a really interesting play by Nick Casario, though. I don't know. I don't know if he can. And, and I'm not saying that he's not inclined to do exactly what you described. He might even prefer it. And and if he does, he should do it. He should stick to his conviction. But it'll be interesting because, hey man, think what you want. Like his his job's on the line, man. His job's on the line. I'm not saying like this year per se, but just as an idea, him as an idea. We are we are way past the honeymoon phase, you know. So um, so that that it would just be interesting. Um, the the reaction at 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 the theater at Miller Outdoor Theater would be. I think it would be really interesting. You probably get a lot of mixed emotions because you know you know this from dealing with with fans on Twitter and you know d- different places where you interact that you've got the extremes. And this is where you know Texans fans are no different. But you've got the extreme optimistic fan that's just gonna just go with whatever it is and believe in whatever the team does. And those also tend to be the fans I, I feel like that don't do as much research and don't necessarily understand the things as well. Um, like the, like you're much more likely to be pessimistic the more that you know and the more that you dig into it. But you got a lot of people that just watch the games and root for the team, okay? They don't necessarily follow every storyline, every rumor, every transaction. They watch the games, they root for the team. You know, they check out the draft, they check out training camp, listen to the radio a little bit, but they just watch the games for the most part and root for the team. You know, and but you're also going to have that other side that's like knee deep into the. This has been a shit show for years now, man. When are we going to get this together? And what kind of plan is this? You know, yeah. so it'll be interesting to see how those different dynamics. Yeah, there there are exceptions, but I always think the people who are the most vocal are not the ones that are there. 
that's <laughs> never, I think, you know, you've got a few infamous types and characters. And then you've got people that I don't believe that are real people, because how can you be commenting on every single thing that's ever been written about the team first every time? But anyway, um, I, I, as, I've, as I've been a lot busier in my in my professional life, and I've not had any time or as much time as I would like to contribute to this, uh, Brandon, uh, or my knowledge of these phrases to be in depth, I've really found that I've removed myself from that world and actually I, I find no, I see no value in it as a guy who's not paid to do this. I only did it because a bit of extra time, don't have it anymore. But it's weird, you kind of remove yourself from it and you see it a little bit more objectively. And and as as long as I live, I hope I never get in a, in a, in a Twitter spat with anybody ever again because it just seems royally pointless now at this stage of my life. However, I think the draft's going to be hell, hellishly exciting. I think that we've got a chance, Casario's got a chance to define his career as a GM. He's got a chance to define this franchise for the next five years yes. um, of it because I think if he was to trade back you know a lot and then just amass a broad church of you know top 100 picks it would give this roster a really sound foundation but then that just puts all the pressure on next year to find the guy now you, you can't play what's next year I'd take a guy two years in a row before I play the risk of not taking the guy this year in favour of a future potential class that you don't even know um my son might be selling insurance in three years' time. So, you know, it's uh, it, there's a lot of unknowns, but this is the point now. We've finally come to a point, I think, where we're at a crossroads because it's 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 forward in success or it's, mo it's going to be slightly better than what we've seen, but mediocrity. So here's hoping. Yeah, yeah. Sense of urgency now, man. Sense of urgency. And that, that's not to say that, hey, Texans are going to win the AFC South next year. But no, but they need to start looking like the team that eventually will, you know, and, yeah, and, you, need to, and you need to be yeah. getting the players. You need to be getting the players that are going to be a part of that, whether that's five guys, whether that's the 11 or 12 guys, you know, um, it, it needs to it needs to be something that people can believe in. And it needs to produce early and like it needs to produce right away. You know, I, th I think about going into the season. I know we're talking about free agency in the draft. But, man, I think so often on Derek Stingley Jr. and Kenyon Green as guys who have upside but still got to prove it, man. Like, like you cannot, you or I cannot sit here and definitively say that they hit on those picks right now. No, can't, no. And yeah. can't, call them, can't call them busts after one year because that would be pr presumptuous. And too uh, Kenyon Green was boarding at times last year. And I think he, you know, no, 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 no. he had a bad rookie year, period. Like, uh, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no sugar. I think he played back. okay in the last, was it the last game of the year? I think the last he, game right. year, he, went, yeah. he was excellent in, in that last game of the year, which, yeah. uh, I mean, out of all the games to be good in, he picked yeah. the wrong <laughs> one. But he was, he was very good in the last game of the year, but yeah. overall, he did not have a good rookie year. But, I mean, we can't say one way or the other. Like, the way you can say Sauce Gardner at four, they hit on that pick. Good year. He's, yeah. he, he's an all-pro all his first year, you hit on that pick. Now, if he's not an all-pro his first year, that doesn't mean, doesn't, doesn't mean that you didn't. But the way you got to feel with, 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 with Derek Stingley Jr. not playing the whole season because of injury and that being his history already, and the way you got to feel about Kenyon Green between – performance, injury, conditioning, and everything, like, those guys got something to prove this year. And I, I hope they do it. I'm rooting for them to do it. But you're already going into this year with your second-year guys that were your first-round picks last year. They got something to prove. On, yeah. top of, you, on top of whatever you draft this year, just got something yeah. to prove. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's cutting time. And you could have traded out of three and got Garrett Wilson, you know, as well. That was another oh, option yeah. who was... 
Yeah, which they were rumored to be enamored with. You know, yeah, when we go there, there, there were a lot of good players that that went between Derek Stingley and Kenyon Green that they could have had, or the fact that they traded back to get Kenyon Green and could have had one of the players that got picked there. Like I know Jordan Davis didn't have a huge year, but I mean, I I wouldn't mind having Jordan Davis on this team. You know, it'd make you feel a little bit differently about what the what the needs are, I feel like, or what the future looks like at that position. So um, well, now, of course, that would still mean more than likely that you'd have an issue at left guard unless you did something different there at, you know, in free agency or whatever. But yeah, because that was a desperate deed at the time. Um, but but this this is a this is a crucial point in franchise history, both for the for the young players that they already have and obviously for the ones that they're about to pick. Yep. And for Nick Casario. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. All right, right. Well, thank you very much, mate, for your time. It's now got it's now six thirty here uh, on a Friday, so I think I'm going to crack a cold one. And uh, and and I've really enjoyed doing this, mate. So thank you again. You're 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 the first guest we've ever had on back to back episodes now. I think just because we've not done so long. I mean, don't get me wrong, there was about six weeks in between them, but there you go. We've we've uh, hey, hey that's then, fine. So. This is this is Laramie Tunsil status, man. I did it twice. I did it twice. Yeah, did it twice. First, first yeah. one to do it twice. Yeah, just call me Tunsil. <laughs> call me Tunsil, man. That's it. That's so all right. Any, and, and if anybody's wanting to join us on a more regular basis this year, because it's going to be tough for me to try and get everybody scheduled in a weekly basis, do shout out and uh, reach out. Um, if you if you'd like to come and join and carry a bit of the load, so we can keep this going. Um, because I am struggling to keep my head above water professionally and and do this at the same time is not easy. So, um, but it's been great. And Brandon, thank you again. Um, top guy, and uh, really appreciate you. You coming along? Uh, no more Rex Burkhead. No more J- uh, Jalen Reeves waving out the fuck his name is. Uh, no more Royce Freeman. No more Neville Hewitt. No more Kevin Pierre Lewis. Um, Justin Britt, but we never really seen him. No more Jeff Driscoll. Um, oh God. Goodness. Blake Cashman, uh, okay, he was, wasn't the worst. Um, and I'd bring back Rashad Green on a final note because I think he could still give you something as a fourth or fifth rusher on it because I think he oh, did Oh, Rasheem Green, Rasheem Green. Yeah, 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 I'd bring him yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, I'd bring him back. Yeah, no, but no, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, we're yeah. there. We're, yeah, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's brighter days ahead, man. I can I can at Absolutely. The say that. I think that they've, again, made several upgrades and things are looking up. And yep. let's get this. Let's get this draft going. See what this quarterback situation yeah. is going to look like. See what kind of weapons they're going to add. I already feel a lot better about the defense. Let's see, man. Especially with D'Amico coaching it, you know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the things are looking up at least in late March. We'll see how we feel about it come September. Yeah, I'm going to go and finish Tulsa King tonight. I've only watched the first three or four episodes of that. Have you got any uh, recommendations? I have not watched Tulsa King, but that's one to check out. Uh, I, so the shows that I watch right now are Snowfall. Um, it's on it's on FX, and uh, and then the other one that I've been binging lately. It's an older show. Well, I'm not gonna say older show. It just it came out two years ago, three maybe maybe three or four years ago. But uh, Godfather of Harlem um, with with Forrest Whitaker. Oh I've, yeah, I've seen I've seen about four or five episodes. That's oh, good. Yeah, yeah man, yeah. I, I I've been trying to watch that show for years and just had not gotten around to it. And mm. somehow I caught some free time and was going to watch something, and I tried it and didn't like it. And then came across Godfather Harlem. I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this again, and because yeah. I tried it and just didn't have time. And now I'm on it, man. I like there was one day. It might have been a week ago now where. It got away from me, man. Like <laughs> I got a little bit unproductive, and it was like it was almost like college, man, where you like 
you know, find yourself in a hole somewhere, binging something or doing something that you have no business doing. And next thing you know, you skip class and whatever else yeah. you're supposed to do. So, uh, so right now for me is Snowfall, Godfather of Harlem. Um, what else am I on? Those are probably not watched. I've not watched the news with the new series of Yellowstone yet. So I need Yellowstone, to yeah. yeah. So let's see. Did I watch? I I ask. So I stopped on Yellowstone toward the end because it started to get really crazy. I don't know where everybody's at with it or where you are with it, but some of the storylines for me started to get really wonky. Um, even though I like the I like the characters and I like what the show is about. So uh, so I'm a Yellowstone guy too, um, and I think I'm probably. I started on this new season, but didn't finish it. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I yeah. thought the fourth one kind of ended a bit sort of, you know, always that it sort of thing versus season three, which is probably the best one out of the first three, but yeah, yeah, um, for, sure, for sure, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think the new Guy Ritchie film, um, Operation something, that's going to be one to watch, I think. So, yeah, I haven't um, that's that got out. Jason Statham in it. I think that's just come out or it is coming out. Operation Fortune. Somebody said that to me the day I watched that. So, yeah. there's plenty to keep you if you want to break from football before this yeah. draft. It'll come around hell of a quick. What we've been sitting yeah. away now, 24. So, we're all exactly a month pretty much away aren't we so i was gonna say um, i did I've, I've probably been to the movies more lately than than i have in a while because so i do the marvel movies and so right. i i saw quantumania and then i saw cocaine bear like back all right yeah is that good it's it's like bad good it's good it's yeah, like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like spoof yeah. almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's it's actually awful but in a good way um, so, so yeah, that that that's probably how I would describe that one. I, I feel like I'm missing one. I'm definitely missing one. Quantumania, Cocaine Bear, and I watched something else now that I'm forgetting about. Mm, can't uh, be that memorable then. If you can't, yeah, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but yeah. but yeah, man, it's a uh, plenty plenty of stuff to get into to distract yourself if you if you need to if you need to get away. Yeah, yeah that's man. it. No, that exactly. Well. Enjoy this next month because after that, it's pretty quick back in rookie mini camp and football comes around really quick. So yep. we'll try and do one or two shows just with some of the guys we've had in the last couple of years talking draft prospects. As I said, I know nothing at this stage, so I'll be watching along the same as everybody else. Um, and and then I'll definitely dig into the prospects post-draft um, for a bit and get, get an idea of what I think might happen, time permitting. But Brandon, thanks very much. Have a good Friday. Um, enjoy the build-up to the draft. We'll be in touch. Um, I, I will be poking around for information, so you can you can believe that. And, and, and we, yeah, well, as you can imagine, being the the radio station, the flagship station, we hear a lot of things anyway. You know, some things, yeah. some things we talk about, some things we don't. You know, yeah, well, uh, but, we, yeah. but we hear plenty, so that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll hear. We'll see. It all comes out in some way, uh, or it's certainly leaked because people want it to be leaked. But who knows? I think it's going to be exciting. I've taken the Friday off work. Uh, going to get ready for the draft. Get a good setup. We've got. I'm uh, going to get. Some, we've got a draft beer in in the house. Uh, we're going to get some good food, and uh, and we're probably going to need some some extra support to stay up. But we're one a.m. by the time the first pick goes, so it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. You've got to be committed to doing it. But really looking forward to it. Brandon, thank you, mate. Appreciate you as always. Um, and uh, thanks again for listening to the turn up for what podcast. 